This morning we take a look at the Word of God in the book of James, chapter 1, beginning with verse 19. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For when he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and preserves, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. All right, let's dive into James this morning. We're looking at the passage of Scripture that concludes James uh, chapter 1. And before we do that, I want to just kind of reflect. Uh, it was uh, just last month uh, that Susan and I got to take that great, great trip that we had been looking forward to for a long time to go to England. And we went and saw a bunch of the different sites and different things. Some places we'd been to before. Some places were brand new places. We had a fantastic trip. Just ask us about it. We, we, we love talking about it and thinking, about it. But one of the favorite things that we did was not famous at all. In fact, what we did is we went back to the house that I lived in when I was seven years old. And I went there and I stood in front of that house and was there and I had a lot of curiosity about that house. I remembered where different things were in the house and different rooms. I remembered some of the toys that I played with when I was in that house. But one of the things that I remember particularly was I planted a tree in the backyard. Maybe. I, I, I dug a hole in the ground, and I had finished eating an apple, and I dropped the seed in the ground, and I said, I bet you if I come back here in, in, in a bunch of years uh, that, that, that that tree will, will grow. Now, of course, I'm in the front here, and I couldn't really see into the backyard. But I kind of had hoped and, to, and really wanted to see that over the top of that house would be this great tree that was there. And I assumed that that tree is still growing and alive and enduring and doing fantastic. And people are eating the apples from that tree all the time. I checked Google Maps. There's no tree in that yard. <laughs> But we hope and we, we really wish that the things that we do, the things that we start, the seeds that we plant, we, we are hoping that those things will last for a really, really long time. You know, it, it's not a huge leap for us to move from planting a, uh, an apple seed in the backyard to thinking about spiritual seeds that get planted in our lives. We stand here this morning between Vacation Bible School where we are hoping that, that, that many young people will make in, enduring decisions for Jesus this week. That they will make decisions where they give their life, their whole life over to him, their whole heart to him. 
We, we, we stand here looking forward to that week ahead. We, we look back to last week where we got to celebrate some baptisms together. And what we really want, whether we're thinking about the baptisms and professions of faith of young people in the days coming, or whether we think about our own life, what we want to know is that seed that was planted that began with when we said, I give my whole life to Jesus, that celebrated through baptism. What we want to know is that years later, decades on, there will be a lastingness, an endurance to that faith that will be just as true, if not truer, in the days ahead. Because what would break our heart would be is if we had just a, a spiritual flicker what would break our heart is that, that when we stood before a group of people and said, I have given Jesus my whole heart and I've determined to follow him with all that I am in all of my life, and we've prayed and we've spoken to God and said, I give you my whole life. What would be a heartbreaking experience is for that just to kind of flicker away into the dust and be forgotten about. What we want is faith that lasts and the seed that is planted for it to endure and for it to be even more relevant in our dying days than it was at any other point in our life. The book of James is dealing with that very question. In fact, it is one of the things that it's talking about is endurance. It is talking about things that last in our lives spiritually. Remember, this is written by the the brother of Jesus. He is writing to those believers that in many ways know, have been pushed out of Jerusalem. They live far away from where that action is. And one of the things that we said a couple weeks ago is that the question before them is, will their faith last beyond the moment? And so this morning I, I want us to think about what enduring faith looks like and how that faith can last beyond the moment for our own lives. There are several things that I want us to think about from this passage of Scripture that we look at this morning. The first thing that I want you to see and I want you to think about and recognize in the passage of Scripture is that enduring faith happens when we reorder our reflexes. Enduring faith happens when we reorder our reflexes. How many of you uh, like going to the doctor? It's just one of your favorite things to do. In fact, you like to schedule three or four appointments a week, uh, sometimes in one town, going over to another town, lots of miles on your car going to the doctor. Very few people like going to see the doctor. It starts with when I ask you to step on the scale. Never my favorite uh, part of that visit. It ends when you, it starts with when you weigh and it finishes with when you pay. None of those things are enjoyable things in the process. But I think the thing that I like the least is there when you go for your annual physical and they, they, they put you up on the, on the bench and then they bring out that little rubber mallet and then they hit your knee and whether you want to or not, your knee just kicks out. Man, I, I, something about that process, it's not that it hurts, there's just something about that process that I just don't like in any way at all because there's this thing that's going to happen and it's like I have no choice over what happens. Boom, he, he, he hits my knee and out kicks my, my foot and I, it feels like I have no control over that. And in fact, that's what they call it. They're, they're testing your reflexes, the things that you do without thinking. But you know, our, our knee isn't the only place that has reflexes, is it? 
in fact, this passage of Scripture really kind of focuses in, and it's not going to be the last time that it talks about it in this book. It really focuses in on another part of our tongue, or another part of our body that has reflexes, and that's our, that's our tongue. And in fact, James tries to say this as nicely as he possibly can. He says, dear brothers, beloved brethren. Now, when he kind of talks to you so nicely, you kind of know that another foot's about to drop, isn't it? He says, dear brothers, beloved brethren, let everyone, so there's, there's no pass on this, there's no, there's no get out of this one. And he lists three reflexes that we have. He says, let every one of us. He says, the first thing is to be quick to listen. You ever been accused of not listening quickly uh, or at all? Uh, we, we had a conversation in our house this week uh, about the quality of listening and the quality of hearing e e each other uh, because sometimes we've just got other things spinning and going on inside of our head that we don't always listen. We don't always determine that what someone else is saying is really important and we've got to listen. But the passage of Scripture says is that we have to be Almost like an Olympian in a crouch getting ready for a sprint, ready to immediately listen when we can. It's a change of our reflexes. The second thing is it says we have to be quick to listen and then slow to speak. Isn't that the opposite of what we typically do? That we, we, we hear something halfway, and boy, we immediately know what our answer is going to be. We immediately know what someone else should be doing. We immediately know what we want to say in that moment. And the words just leap outside, out of our mouth. But the passage of Scripture is telling us, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And then it stacks on one more. It says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and be slow to anger. Does it feel like we live in an angry world these days? Well, one of my favorite movie lines, uh, I don't know if it's a great line, but I just remember it's from one of the first Toy Story movies. Mrs. Potato Head is packing up uh, Mr. Potato Head for an adventure that he's off to go on, and, he, and she says, I packed your angry eyes just in case. <laughs> I think someone has packed all of our angry eyes, and I think some of us walk through life with our angry eyes attached. We, we, we leave the other ones behind because we are angry. Think about how different this would be to live in a world where people were quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to anger. You see, there's a connectedness that seems to be if we don't listen well and we speak too much, we end up being angry. Does that, does that ring true at all? Now think before you answer. But does that ring true that it's true that if we don't listen well and we speak too quickly, we end up being angry? Now, there's a part of this that the world would be a politer, better place if all of us were quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to anger. Our relationships would be better if we were quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And all of that is true. But hear what James's heart, hear what the Spirit of God says. It's not primarily concerned about the quality of our conversation, but it says, listen, if, if be, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You see, this pattern of not listening much, speaking too quickly, and immediately inflaming our emotions. The result of that is the opposite of where we want to be. The, resop, the result of that is that there is the righteousness of God, the rightness of God. But when we are slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to anger, we are standing as far away from the righteousness, the rightness of God, as we possibly can. Now, I bring this back because this is, all of these things are about our reflexes. We, we, we cut people off in what they're saying. Even mentally, we finish the sentences for them. We're already thinking about what we're going to say in reply. Our words blurt out and we jump to inflamed emotion very, very quickly. And it almost feels as though it's just as much no choice on our part as when the doctor hits our knee with that little rubber mallet and our reflexes kick off. But I will tell you that one of the things that needs to happen in our lives for our faith to be an enduring faith that produces fruit that's long-lasting is that we need to begin to reprogram those reflexes. I would love to be able to have the doctor hit my knee and for me to be able to take my arm and swing it. He didn't even see that coming. It was a different reflex than what he expected. Kind of fun. I mean, I wouldn't do that. Good doctors. But the point is that we, we, we want to have a different reflex than what's expected. Now, listen, we do need to listen better. Anybody here need to do a better job listening? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, it's because you didn't hear the question. Uh, we, we need to do a better job of listening. Do, do we need to be more careful with our words? Yes. Do we need to be more careful with, with, with our emotions? Yes. But I also think this is a part of reprogramming those reflexes. You know, because sometimes there are things that need to be said. This doesn't say take a vow of silence. Maybe take a break from talking so much, but it doesn't mean take a vow of silence. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, there is a time to be silent, and there's a time to speak. There, there, there is a time when we're supposed to be still and we're supposed to be quiet, but there's also a time where we're supposed to stand up and say something. I love it in, in Ephesians, chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul through the Spirit of God says, be angry. Well, it's not very often that someone tells you to be angry. But he says, be angry and do not sin. And you see, it's okay to have an emotion. I don't want us to ever have some sense that if we're going to be spiritual people, that, that we are people without emotion. 
What we are is we become spiritual people who have discipline and control and, and that, we have, uh, that, that we have authority over our own emotions. In fact, sometimes in the spirit of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, sometimes exactly what is needed in our life is be angry. God is angry about some things. Jesus walked through and he flipped over tables because there were some things that were out of order and they were wrong and he was angry about those things. In fact, I think this may be the, the important point here is that when we talk about reordering our reflexes is that sometimes we have to be silent in the places where we spoke and sometimes we need to speak in the places where we used to be silent. And sometimes we have to let some things go that used to make us angry. And then there's some other things that we used to not bother with at all and not be concerned about at all. And God says, be angry and do not sin. But we need to have the same emotional reaction that Jesus has to all of these things. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. But make sure we listen to him. Make sure we speak in the places where he would have us to speak. And to have the same emotions and the same reflexes. Because that's really going to be a sign of spiritual maturity, of enduring faith. Is that when our reflexes, our listening, our speaking, and our emotions are completely programmed differently than they used to be. And I'd like that to be true in my life. I'd like in six months time, some of you are writing down the date today, but in six months time, I would like my reflexes to reflect Jesus more than they do right now. I, I would like that to be true. Enduring faith happens when we reorder our reflexes. I would also point out to you this morning that enduring faith happens from the inside out. Enduring faith happens from the inside out. It says this in verse 21. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. There's a whole lot in that sentence there. But there's an image there that I want you to capture of this idea of the implanted word that is within you. And there is the word of God that has become attached to your life. And what we want that word is that we want it to take hold and we want it to grow. We want it to have huge impact. My little seed in my backyard in, in, in London did not did not take root, did not rearrange things. But have you seen some places where things grew more than they were planned to grow? Have you been in some places where things grew a little bit bigger than anyone really thought that they might? We see this often in a place where there is a tree, and in some safe distance next to the tree is a sidewalk, nice sidewalk, even place to walk. But what happens is that the growth 
of that true tree becomes so profound and so much larger than they expected that the roots of that tree begin to just build and build and build. And before you know it, that rock-solid, hard concrete is being moved and broken and reshaped. Why? Because something happened to the, the concrete? No, it's because the implanted seed of that tree began to grow even more than anyone expected of that. Man, anybody want that? With the Word of God inside of their life? That, I, that the Word of God to break up hard places, to break up places that, that seem so embedded that they're now going to change because the implanted seed of the Word of God is attached inside of my life and it is building out and out and out and it's breaking up all the hard places inside of my life. Anybody else want that? I, I, I want that inside of my life. Now, it gives us a little bit of direction to that. Well, there's almost this competing influence on our lives. It points it out here in verse 21, but we see it in our own lives. There's the competing influence between the implanted word and all the filthiness and rampant wickedness. The, the idea of that rampant, it, it's almost leftover. It's, this, it's, it's just this extra stuff. The picture almost is all the stuff that used to be our lives before we came to Christ. All these extra things. It just kind of still lingers and, and hangs out. And what's going to happen is that inside of our lives, we are going to be driven, influenced, directed either by the leftover stuff of before Jesus or we're going to be influenced by that implanted word of God that resonates and grows and builds inside of us. It also tells us that we are to receive that implanted word. In fact, Technically, it says that we are to receive that implanted word with meekness. That, that means gentleness. Uh, probably the best way for us to think about that is a teachable spirit. You ever work with someone who you're maybe you're, you're helping to do orientation for them, maybe teaching them how to do a job. Maybe you're trying to show your kids how to do something. And as soon as they see that, I already know how to do that. I, I, know, I, I already know that. That, that's what we call in the business an absence of meekness. <laughs> meekness says, all right, I've still got some things to learn. I am open to having my life rearranged, reshaped. I, I am open to learning things that I did not know before. I am open to God speaking afresh into my life. You see, enduring faith happens from the inside out because of that implanted word that is within us that it takes up more and more space inside of our lives. Well, where do we find that implanted word? That, that implanted word comes from his recorded word. 
It comes from the word that has been saved for us, that it has been given to us. Here are the full thoughts and sentences of Jesus. Here are the full teaching of the disciples who reflected upon the glory of Jesus, and it has been recorded for us, handed down to us generation to generation so that you and I can hear the very voice of God. We let that implanted word have increasing influence on our life. But it's not just that, it's the Spirit of God as well. That word comes from the very fact that the Spirit of God is living and present in our lives and the Spirit of God speaks to us and directs us. In fact, it's a, a marvelous, wonderful miracle when the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to speak into our lives. In fact, it's my hope and prayer that at least once this morning, you will hear a truth from the Word of God, and the Spirit of God will shine a spotlight on that and say, that's, that's for you. That's what I want you to hear. That that's what I want you to know. That that's the reason that I brought you to church this morning is so that you would hear that word and the living spirit of God says, that's the one. That's for you. It's the implanted word of God. And if you are a believer, if your life has been given to Jesus, we don't just have the word of God. We don't just have the spirit of God that speaks into our ear and into our heart. We have the spirit of God who dwells inside of us. And enduring faith happens when we lean into that word of God that's inside of us. And it begins to push out those hard places. It begins to push out those remnants of life before Jesus. And if we will allow that to happen on a regular basis, your faith will be stronger tomorrow than it was yesterday. Your, your faith and your commitment, your authority in Christ will, will be greater in five years than it is now. Because from the inside out, that implanted word is doing transformation inside of us. Enduring faith happens from the inside out. And then... This passage of Scripture very clearly tells us that enduring faith happens when feelings and faith result in action. Result in action. In the beginning of the passage, we said, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's the starting point. Because what it tells us here in verse 22, it says, be good listeners. It's important. One of the spiritual disciplines in your life is to be a good listener. Listen to the implanted word of God that is inside of you. Listen well. But verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Don't just know this. Don't just hear this. Don't just nod your head to this and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But at some point in time, it's got to stir you. It's got to move you so that you do something with it. <laughs> the writer of James here gives us a great illustration. 
He gives us the illustration of a person who looks in the mirror and then walks away forgetting what they look like. Now, why do you look in the mirror? Basically, you want to make sure that your hair, well, first of all, that it's still there. Second of all, you want to make sure that it's kind of lined up in the places that you had intended it to. You kind of want to make sure that, that, that all the fasteners on your clothes have been properly fastened. Hey, you want to make sure that, that yesterday's lunch is no longer residing between your teeth. Hey, you want to make sure that you look all right. This is a checklist of things. How am I doing here? So imagine standing in front of that mirror and your hair being, you know, disheveled all over the place. This is the international symbol of disheveled. It's, it's, it's all over the place. You, you got some junk all here in your, your, your teeth. Your, 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 your shirt buttons are, are not matching the way they're, they're, they're supposed to. And, and then you get distracted and you just walk straight away. And out the front door and to work or to school or wherever it is that you're going that day and all of that disheveled, all of that junk is there. He says, listen, if you just hear the word of God and you don't do anything, it is like looking in the mirror, seeing stuff that needs to be fixed and then going straight to work. The whole point of looking in the mirror was to fix things. You and I live in a beautiful day. We live in a beautiful day with this thing called YouTube. Man, you know how many things you can fix and do watching a YouTube video? Uh, what are some things maybe that, that you have fixed or done because you watched a YouTube video that you didn't think that you could ever fix or do? What, what, just call something out that, that, that you've done because you watched the YouTube video. Light switches. Brian is still here today because he watched the, the, the YouTube video before he did electrical work. Good job, Brian. Camera equipment. Okay, yeah. All right. What are some others? Man, what's that? Tie, yes, it's probably one of the most popular videos on the internet is how to tie a, a tie without a, without a clip-on video. I have... A, I have done some work on air conditioning in my house because of a YouTube video. I have repaired some things on the car uh, because of a YouTube video. I, I replaced some stuff with the, the toilet just a couple months ago because of a YouTube video. They're, they're so great. You can play the video. You can watch it. You can learn from it. You can back it up. You can pause it. You can look at the picture. Now, in Brian's case, and all of our case, but he was playing with electricity. It only works if you do what it says. If you watch the video, you pause the video, you back up the video, and you don't do what it says, it's like having junk in your hair and junk in your teeth and looking in the mirror and going straight out the door. The Word of God says, listen, let the implanted Word of God do a work inside of your life, but it cannot do a work inside of your life if you don't do what it says. This is probably one of the places where even the world knows the truth of Scripture better than we do sometimes. Because sometimes the world looks at us and says, boy, you all talk about a lot of things. 
You, you talk about this is how you're supposed to live. You, you talk about this is what it means to follow Jesus. But I don't see it. It's a lot of noise. But I don't see any fingerprints. I don't see any footprints. I don't see any place where it's actually made a difference inside of your life. In fact, the Word of God here, it talks about being deceived. It talks about fooling yourself. It says that if you claim the name of Jesus, if you just nod your head to all of these things, but you don't ever change the way that you live, he says you are deceiving yourself. And in fact, it says if you claim to have religion, but it doesn't leave a fingerprint, it doesn't leave a footprint, it doesn't invest in caring for the lives of others, he says that religion Is worthless. Man, I don't want to find out something that I value is worthless. I don't want to find out that my religion is worthless. And I don't want the person who tells me that my religion is worthless to be, well, to be God. He kind of knows what's worth something, right? He, he's, the, he's the expert on the subject, and when he looks at my life and says, your religion, your spiritual efforts and endeavors is worthless. Oh. Now what he says is, he says this is what true religion is. He says it's care for the orphan and it's care for the widow. Now, I don't mean, I don't believe that that passage of Scripture is just saying there's only two ways to live out your faith. Because there's a whole lot of other categories of vulnerable people in the world. But I believe what he's saying is, listen, if your faith, if your belief, if you're hearing the Word of God, if you're following Jesus, doesn't show up in caring for others and loving others, and moving some of your resources and your comfort to care for people who need to be cared for and protected and looked after, then it hasn't really touched your life yet. See, again, we want to have as meaningful of a worship service as we possibly can. We, we want the Spirit of God to move in this place. We, we want you to be able to engage in the music and the speaking and in the scripture. But if it never moves beyond a feel-good moment and nodding and saying, yeah, I agree with that. If it doesn't move into an action, then it's not going to be enduring faith. You see, enduring faith is when there is a practice over the days, weeks, months, and years of hearing from God and rearranging my life in action. I told you when we started this passage, this, when we started this study, that 
James hit me between the eyes as a high school student. Because basically it says, listen, you can't just pretend. You can't just go along. It says, be rearranged because you are a follower of Jesus. I want that same word of God to have the same impact on you through the Spirit of God. So here's some quick checklists for our own lives this week in terms of what does this matter in our life. The the first thing is, um, where where do you need to listen better? Is is there a part of life, is there a place, is there a circumstance that, that you need to be a better listener. The, the second question is, is there a part of life that you need to let it go a little bit? A place where you're, you, you're just, you have a reflex to anger. And, and maybe there's just this thing that continues to eat inside of you. And it is a snap emotional response. In fact, you've programmed yourself to that response now. Man, is is there a place where you need to step back from that and let go of control over that and stop letting that have control over you? So listen better. Let go of something that that you've you've just had on a chain or it's had a chain on you. And then... Man, is there a widow? Is there an orphan? Is there a vulnerable person? Is there a person that you can care for in a practical way so that you can put the needs of someone else before yourself? And you can leave some fingerprints and some footprints that your faith really has changed the way that you live and how you spend your time and how you spend your priorities, and how you spend your money, and how you spend your energy. Is there a place that you know this week that needs to be different than it's been? Let me pray for you.